Did you know 663 million people live without clean drinking water every day? That's nearly one in 10. Let me tell you about my friends at FNX. FNX can solve all your health, nutrition, and supplement needs because they are first class in making their products so you can be at your best. Whether you're a CrossFit freak, bodybuilder, or just mom and dad making it a point twice per week, FNX will elevate your game. I have been using FNX and I feel and see the difference. The protein, delicious. My workouts, way more intense. And my energy, there all day. Try it for yourself. Visit fnxfit.com. Use code 4C15. That's 4C15 for 15% off each order. What's more, every time you make a purchase, a child in need receives one gallon of clean drinking water. FNX has donated over 100,000 gallons of clean drinking water. Make your mark today. What is going on, everybody? Pete Forsey, the podcast. Welcome back. Welcome to the podcast. If you're a first-time listener, appreciate everybody listening. Just a upside-down week nine that we're going to go into full tilt. Derek Carr, Raiders. That's not even the biggest thing. I should really lead off with the Baker and Browns, the uh, Odellis Browns and Baker Mayfield, they really prove exactly who they are. Going to bat lead off with them. And, of course, dig into the Aaron Rodgers absence at Arrowhead. Really cost his team in actual form uh, a victory. He cost him. And just, again, the guy proves that he's not a team player. We're going to hit on Derek Carr and the Raiders because, really, I'm going off the news of today and what he means to their team. And, really, from a leverage standpoint, Derek Carr is about to cash in. And we'll just talk about the Week 9 upsets, a lot of them, a lot of uh, victories that we didn't see coming. Pete's picks, freaking did awful. I post my picks every Sunday uh, and every Monday and Thursday night game, which we have the Bears and the Steelers here soon. Um, follow me on Twitter. It's at Pete4C, um, and you can get all my picks. I, uh, I don't do the spreads. I don't do the over-unders. It's just straight gut. What I feel is going to happen this week, awful, but I feel like everybody did awful, so I feel vindicated in that way, Uh, but check me out there. And then, of course, I'm going to give some Lamar love, something that doesn't typically happen. I'm going to hit on the rest of the games. We got a loaded podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get to Baker and the Browns. Taking it to Cincinnati, Ohio, Cleveland Browns trounce the Cincinnati Bengals 41-16. Nick Chubb ran all over that Bengals defense, which probably got a little too much love in the past, I don't know, three weeks or so. They had that big one at Baltimore. I predicted that win. I thought they were rolling. I thought it was a bad matchup for the Ravens. Didn't think they were anything more than a threat, though, in the AFC. And that's kind of what they're turning out to be here, just merely a a threat in the AFC. Not saying they're even going to make the playoffs. Zach Taylor, I think, ultimately holds him back. Got to have more of a... Uh, a head coach, and he just seems to be a play caller. He's getting a lot of good plays for Jamar, K- Jamar Chase and uh, and Joe Burrow, but ultimately, you know, a couple of disappointing losses. Jets and then the Browns, and really I want to talk about the Browns. Late in the week, or I guess it was midweek, Odell Beckham was not uh, at practice. He was excused 
from the Browns, and they ultimately are releasing him. It's going to be made official here. Um, it was made official here on Monday, which is when we're coming to you here, November 8th, Monday, November 8th. And by Tuesday, he'll be able to be claimed. And some team will get him, probably like the Saints, Patriots, Packers, um, 49ers are in there. John Lynch, general manager of San Francisco, he went on air, said, don't rule it out. We're always looking to improve our team. And the Niners, they definitely do need to improve their team. But it's abundantly clear that Odell Beckham is much of a subtraction than an addition to a team like the Browns. And really, you're kind of finding that it was the same case in New York. Remember when the media crushed that trade, March 2019? Why would you trade a player of that caliber? Why would you feed him that contract and then trade him? Which, I kind of get the fact you signed him into the contract and then traded him away. But let's not forget that the New York Giants, after he had suffered an injury to end the 2018 season, Odell Beckham, they actually improved their record. And they actually got picks that maybe didn't turn out to be better than Odell, but they didn't really lose anything in that trade. And Odell with Baker Mayfield, again, was very pedestrian in his play. The Browns didn't really have a improvement with that connection. And here we are, the very next game after he leaves, they win by nearly 30 points. Baker Mayfield has his highest passer rating of the season, finds eight different receivers, and they roll to an easy victory against a division opponent without Odell, who apparently is still a baller, still a number one wide receiver. You have all these guys out in the NFL wearing t-shirts. I saw the Vikings, LeBron James, obviously, his dad taking to Instagram to put a video on there. Here in Cleveland, they're they're probably happy as can be. And, 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 and while he has all this fan support on Twitter and has zero accountability to himself, I just don't understand why the media seemed to defend him for so long and seems to think that he still will be an asset to a team. Like, yeah, he's still talented. I, I agree there. But it's pretty clear he doesn't really care too much about football. When, when you talk about his habits, when you talk about... Um, him ad-libbing on the football field. One of the things in a report that came out from ESPN is that he, he just ad-libs the route. He, he sees routes and he changed them or changes them based off what the play call was. And that's why Baker Mayfield didn't know where to throw the ball because he was expecting Odell to run the route that was called in the play. You know, things like Jarvis Landry, what he does, and what Donovan Peoples-Jones, what he does. And that's how they connect for touchdowns, which they had a lot of them yesterday on Sunday. They're so much better off without a player of this of this caliber. He's a selfish player. There's been habits, there's been behavior that bears this out. Eli punching a net, um, you know, going on the boat after the playoff game. These are all things that a prescient mind will understand takes away from actually caring about winning. He says he cares about winning. I know he put out the video a couple of years ago of him demonstrating passion on the sidelines. He tried to compare it to Tom Brady and him firing up his teammates. It's not the same thing because his teammates don't gravitate in the same way. Teammates of Odell's, they gravitate in the same way as they do Cam. They like him. They think he's funny. He think They think he's jovial, that he's a pleasure to be around. But it doesn't mean that you're a good teammate. It doesn't. Yeah, your teammates like you. It doesn't mean you're a good teammate for football. It doesn't mean that you're actually helping us win. You could really be, if anything, pulling apart teammates from their head coach, the person that they need to be listening to. And that's great that teammates like you. 
awesome. You can love Odell. But ultimately, just because you like someone doesn't mean that he's a good teammate. Like, Terrell Owens was that way. Terrell Owens and the Eagles, between Donovan McNabb and all all the strife that they had, some people really liked Terrell Owens, and they agreed with him. But it's exactly that. People gravitate towards that personality, and they like him. And then it creates this tension between the head coach, between the general manager, between the quarterback that's going to be there, right or wrong. If you're the quarterback and you play at a high level, you're going to win out. So it's bad for someone like Odell or like a Terrell Owens. When you think you're of the right mindset or you have the right idea, and I'm not even saying that Odell voiced these strong opinions. He didn't. He was quiet behind the scenes. But it's pretty clear when he shows up in March 2019 saying that he wants to be like the Patriots and make the Browns like a dynasty, and then he doesn't show up to OTAs. Like, you're kind of a fraud. You're kind of a fraud. Freddie Kitchens said when Odell was absent that he, quote, missed the offense. He missed the offense in installing that for the upcoming season in 2019. But Odell says he wants to be like the Patriots and be a dynasty. Well, you know what the Patriots did to become a dynasty? They showed up to practice. They didn't make excuses. What is their uh, a mantra? No days off? Like, I mean, he doesn't put his money where his mouth is. And ultimately, you have the Cleveland Browns here who first game without Odell, Run to a victory. And it's exactly what happened last year after they were Odell-less. They became a better football team and they went on a streak. And here they are in 2021 once again with no Odell and blue and sunny skies here in Cleveland. Additional news that broke after the podcast last week. I hate when that happens when you record a podcast and then boom, news drops later on in the week. We do this once a week. Maybe I'll have to look into doing a uh, bi-weekly podcast where we crank out a couple episodes each week. I think I might be capable of that um, just so we can, you know, fit this all in there. But Aaron Rodgers, not going to touch too much on it, but he's just a disingenuous jackass. Like you say you weren't lying. You weren't even deceitful. You were talking about immunization and had over 500 pages of reports that you gave to the NFL to prove that what you took was equal to a vaccine for COVID-19. Like, you're just a jackass. You continue to uh, voice your displeasure for how the media is and how they interpret things and stretch the truth and extrapolate, but yet you just hand over the ammunition, as I like to say. You're, You're giving it right to us. Like, what do you expect to happen? If you do not want people to talk about you daily, you need to be far less uh, honest and far less transparent at the microphone. I know guys like Chris Collinsworth, who, you know, great broadcaster, most natural play-by-play guy in an NFL booth today and that I've ever seen. But he said that he loved how honest Aaron Rodgers was over the summer and speaking his mind. He wished everybody did that. You know, I'm fine with it because it gives me things to talk about. But if you do not want people talking about you, you need to shut up. You need to give the quote unquote uh, coach speak or player speak where you don't really give an answer. You dance around answers. I'm totally fine with doing that if you don't want to give up information. And again, he just continues to somehow speak on the offseason. It still infiltrates into in-season and it costs Green Bay a game. They went to Kansas City and they sucked. They put up a touchdown late in, um, I wouldn't call it garbage time because it was still a 13-point lead at the time at Arrowhead. But obviously the Chiefs were 
playing for the Packers to to run out the clock. And Jordan Love, he got his first touchdown, and you know he played all right. He he you know he made some passes, missed quite a few throws. I know Aikman was pretty critical on one open pass to to De- Devontae Adams that he missed, and, and it was pretty bad. You didn't really learn much in Jordan Love, but Aaron Rodgers cost his team a game. Like, is that not going to be the difference between home field advantage, first round bye, because you decided to not wear your fucking mask in the goddamn facility, something that last year you realized NFL uh, executives, they're going to crack down on and fine you. You just said, yeah, I don't really believe in it, so I'm not going to do it. Well, okay, great. Like, you just cost your team. You talked about how great of a teammate you were in training camp to NFL Network. Like, I remember it. I could pull the video if I wanted to. Maybe I should get a YouTube page. And you try to say you're a team player? Like, no, you're fucking not, man. Absolutely not you're a team player. You're a selfish player. You're condescending. You're prickly. Like, it's unbelievable that you try to portray yourself in some way, but then your actions tell us the other, the other way, completely the, the contrary. So, you know, Kansas City, they got another victory. They won ugly. Patrick Mahomes, seriously, just completely out of sync fundamentally. I'll flip to the Chiefs. He's a talented player. He's going to be a great player. Might even be a Hall of Famer, but we can pump the brakes, I think, on being the best of all time. Talent meets skill meets great head coach and general manager. That's got to pump the brakes. That That's now in the slow lane, okay? The Chiefs, they're no longer in the fast lane on the highway. They are now in the slow lane. Could they win the division? Yes. Could they miss the playoffs? Yes. Denver, they just won. They got five victories. The Raiders, yeah, they lost, but they're, they're, they're not going away. And neither are the Chargers. So they could miss the playoffs because they're in a tough division. I don't think they'll have a bad record. And they could still win the division, but we really need to stop talking about them in the realm of, oh, they're the Chiefs. They'll score. They'll figure it out. Yeah, they might figure it out, but it might be too late. Might be too late. The fundamentals uh, of the quarterback play, not good right now. Travis Kelsey, who apparently is an all-time great tight end, I don't see it. He's dropping passes. Um, He's not in the right spot at the right time. Sure doesn't look like an all-time great tight end. I know Gronkowski, he never did that. That never happened. To say that I know what's going on with the Chiefs right now, not exactly because they didn't turn the ball over and they still looked atrocious yesterday at Arrowhead. Daniel Sorensen. I tweeted it out at the time. Typically, a player gets a lot more grief on social media uh, than is warranted. But in this case, I, I think it's actually 100% warranted. He has been awful. Every play I look at has been awful from Daniel Sorensen. And for some reason, he's still playing. Like They, they just cut him and move on. That's it. Just just play Thornhill, and, and that's it. And... You know, ultimately, that's the takeaway that I have from these games. Quarterbacks on both teams really letting their organizations down. Didn't learn too much from Jordan Love. Didn't learn too much from the Chiefs other than that they were able to not turn the ball over uh, against a Aaron, Aaron Rodgers-less offense. Um, not that their offenses were going face-to-face, but I'm just saying they, they could play it safe knowing that they didn't have 12 lining up on the other end. So uh, Chiefs, Packers, quarterbacks let them down, and the Chiefs, Don't feel any good about them and feel even worse about the Packers. So as I was recording just moments ago, I had Ms. Taylor give me a phone call, which I have explained to her time and again, I need absolute silence, absolute silence while I'm recording the podcast in the studios here in Maplewood, Missouri, in uh, in St. Louis suburbs. 
Yet she just continues to call about walking our hound, Maisie. And I told her, look, I, I need I need you to stop this. But, of course, we're always going to pick up the phone call from Miss Taylor. And I, I want to transition to the Raiders, who, as here on Monday, again, while I'm recording, there's just more news that comes out. Mike Mayock had to release uh, Arnett, Damon Arnett, his 2020 first-round pick. Um, there was a video of him holding guns, like deadly weapons. Like I, I forget what you call them. Just like, uh, you know, the one where there's, I, I don't shoot guns. Okay. I'm not, I'm not really into that. It's not a hobby, but I'm just talking about like huge ammunition guns where it's just like, holy shit, you, you are here to fucking obliterate people. He, he was doing this in a video. He's on IR, Damon Arnett, uh, the cornerback for the Las Vegas Raiders. And he was threatening to kill people. And Again, just ugly, ugly stuff for the Raiders. And if it sounds familiar, it's because just last week, uh, Henry Ruggs, the other 2020 first-round pick, was cut because of uh, DUI uh, manslaughter. And yes, that's both of their first-round picks from just a year ago that are no longer on the team. And of course, we had John Gruden earlier that was fired for you know sending stuff in emails that he shouldn't have been saying. That's just awful, you know, uh, to, you know, offending the gay and lesbian community and racist remark. It was, it's just bad in, in in Raider Nation. And I'm not even sure if it's a reflection on the organization and what they value. I don't think so. I think they're just missing. And I think it's a situation where Mike Mayock really underestimated the aspect of the people aspect of being a general manager. He's not really good with managing the relationship side of this. I think he's excellent at watching film knows how to build a team in a sound way. They have a lot of good players, but when it comes to actually finding a way to get guys how to be professionals, um, getting professionals that have the behavior and the conduct that you're looking for, he's whiffed. And he admitted it in his press release and letting Arnett go that that he whiffed. And I think it's going to be a situation where, you know, if he wants to stay this route and being a general manager, he might have to go back to, not the media side of things, but maybe just being in the building as like a side executive, you know, vice president, a player personnel or, or, or assistant general manager. Cause right now he's just not good with the people side of things. And it's not because he's impersonal, but it's because he just doesn't really have a lot of experience there. And you know, the guys that he's getting, they just don't know how to be pros. It seems like, and obviously the head coach that that's unrelated uh, in that regard, but in totality, for a team that's pretty doggone good, the Raiders, I know they lost to to the Giants uh, here yesterday. Derek Carr and the Raiders have something good going. And I think it just goes to prove that Derek Carr now is in a very, very, very good leverage spot for his next contract. He's making $25 million a year at the time when he signed the contract. I think it would have been 2017, five years, $125 million. I mean, that was the richest contract at that time. Now it's a bargain, and you get a pretty good player. Not great, not bad, just a pretty good quarterback that I think you would take over a lot of players, and he's you know, playing probably above water halfway through the season here, I think, over his, he came in the league in 2014. I think we know overall this, the way he's playing right now is not the Derek Carr that he is overall. Maybe he's turned a corner, but right now he's playing above water. And you factor in the fact that Gruden's been fired, Henry Ruggs is now gone. Damon Arnett is now gone. You had that move from Oakland to Las Vegas. Derek Carr has always been the the literal face 
of the franchise who's had to publicly answer to everything. Because Mark Davis, the owner of the Raiders, he, he, he hides behind closed doors. He doesn't speak to the media. He doesn't speak publicly. He just puts out statements like, you know, when Gruden is resigned, he's technically fired, but we all know kind of how that works. He just hides behind closed doors. So who is it that speaks on these things when like a head coach is fired and you have an interim coach uh, taking the wheel? They don't speak on the releases of players. I mean, they do, but really the thoughts that they really want are from the quarterback. Derek Carr, he has the performance right now as he goes into 2021. And even if that's not really who he is and the Raiders don't want to pay him for the 2021 performance and they say, yeah, we really think you're more of the 2018, 2017, maybe even last year kind of guy, he can turn around and say, much like Dak Prescott did with the Cowboys, with the Anthem, with the Zeke stuff, that was all leverage points for for Dak Prescott and his contract negotiations with the Cowboys. Derek Carr can now say, look, man, I've been the only one that people turn to when shit hits the fan in this organization. I'm the one that speaks for the Raiders because the owner does not. The GM, you know, he's busy figuring out the team and he speaks on it, but really he's got to give the status quo. I'm the one that actually speaks from the locker room because I'm in the locker room. The head coach is gone. We got an interim special teams guy who's great man, but let's face it, he's been a special teams uh, uh, coordinator and assistant head coach for his career for a reason. I'm the one that talks. So I think he's in a very, very good position here where is he worth you know, 40, 43 million per year based off his performance? No. But based off everything else that I've taken on, much like Dak Prescott and, and stuff that's off the field, you better pay me. You better pay me. And I said that I want to be a Raider for life, so you may try to twist that against me and get me to stay for a, a for something less. But if you if he really wants to play, if I'm Derek Carr, yeah, man, like the, the price just went up. Each and everything that happens, even though it's out of my control and even though it's my teammates, price is just going up because you as an owner, you don't come out and talk when shit hits the fan. It's me. And, you know, Derek Carr, I think he's played pretty doggone well. And it's a sad thing to see for a multitude of reasons between what Gruden said, what Ruggs did, and what Arnett was showing on in that video. It's a lot of sad stuff that, you know, again, all these cuts should be happening everything that the Raiders have been doing as far as resignating or, uh, you know, having guys waived, it all should be happening. But Derek Carr, he's the one answering to it. And I think he is going to be in for a massive, massive payday come next spring. So definitely want to touch on the fact that there were just several, probably like a handful or five or six, just big upsets here in week nine in the NFL. Uh, I'll kind of go in the order of, you know, biggest shockingness. Uh, I'll, I'll start with the Bills and the Jags off the top in the early slate, the early window, as they call in the NFL, the 1 p.m. Eastern games. We'll be going off NFL time, Eastern Standard Time. The Bills and the Jags. I, I, I didn't watch much of this game, but Josh Allen, obviously of the Jaguars, took down Josh Allen of the Bills. And just goes to show, man, any given Sunday, any given Sunday, and while the Bills are not dead, this proves that they're not the 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 runaway favorite in an AFC that's been pretty underwhelming overall. I think the Browns on paper are the best team, and the Browns have you know had some hiccups along the way and haven't played their best football. Right now, you can put them on equal footing with the Bills. The Bills seem 
up until yesterday to be the most potent and the most complete team that plays the most sound football. Yeah, that just came to a halt when you lose to the Jaguars and Urban Meyer, who, whew, I mean, Urban Meyer, if you thought he hit the town after a loss on Thursday night football, imagine what went down just yesterday after a big win against the AFC fave Buffalo Bills. Just saying. But, the, you know, the Jaguars, good win for them. Obviously, Buffalo is still a great team, but yeah, they are very beatable, and that is proven when you go down to Jacksonville and lose in Duval. And then the Broncos and Cowboys, same deal. I don't think there's a blueprint, which I love Kevin Burkhart, the Fox broadcaster, but he was obligated to say it. I think it's dumb, but that's what broadcasters have to do. He asked to Greg Olson, his color commentator, hey, is this the quote-unquote blueprint that teams need to beat the Cowboys? What a ridiculous statement. The Cowboys just came out flat. They thought they had it in the bag, and they thought they could beat Denver without really showing up. They showed up without showing up. They just showed and goed, I guess, as you like to say, because they were flat. It's just that simple. They're a good team, but as time moved along, they said, oh, shoot, this team actually came to play. Oh, shoot, this team might actually win. Oh, shoot, they're going to win. That's what happened. And you know what? In the NFL, you can lose some games. This isn't college like in college, you know, if you lose one game, your season's pretty much over if you're talking about actually winning a championship. Not in the NFL. You can lose some games. Like, you know, the Buccaneers, what they lose? Five games last year, twice the Saints. You can lose some football games and still be all right. Dallas will be okay. The one that's big, though, 49ers Cardinals. I would not be surprised if Kyle Shanahan asked out of his contract at the end of the year. I tweeted it out, and I think San Francisco, based off how their owner operates, Jed York, he might even grant it. It would be a mistake. Kyle Shanahan is much, much more valuable than John Lynch or even Trey Lance or Jimmy Garoppolo. And I think he's having a bad season, Kyle Shanahan. But right now, stuff is just off. Guys aren't staying healthy. Guys aren't staying disciplined as far as their offense and running routes. Jimmy is, he's not as accurate as a quarterback. I think Jimmy Garoppolo is pretty good. Just look at the record with Kyle Shanahan without Jimmy Garoppolo. I think he's pretty good and he gets a little too much heat, but he's not. He has been playing well overall this season. He's been inaccurate. But most of all, I don't think Kyle Shanahan wants to hitch his wagon to Trey Lance. He didn't want to pick him. There's been multiple reports. He wanted Mac Jones. And then he was talked out of it. He was coerced by, it sounds like, the assistant general manager and John Lynch because John Lynch obviously passed on Patrick Mahomes. And there's been several reports since 2017 that John Lynch had said, hey, Kyle, I think we got to give a second look to this Mahomes guy. And then ultimately, you know, they passed on him because, you know, in foresight, uh, Shanahan kept wanting to get Kirk Cousins ultimately, and they pivoted midseason to Jimmy Garoppolo and trading him or trading for him on Halloween in 2017. So they passed on Mahomes, and so Lynch is probably having buyer's remorse or uh, you know, not buyer's remorse, but sitting out there. So then he took Trey Lance and you just look at it. This is, you see Trey Lance. He's not a quarterback that Kyle Shanahan plays with. He's just not, he really, he wants a disciplined passer. who's going to play within his system, deliver the ball on time. He, he's modern West coast. And so it all adds up to me just thinking, you know, if he's forced to play Trey Lance next year and get rid of Jimmy Garoppolo, he might just say, look, you guys have your way. You're better off with someone else because ultimately I don't want to play football in that way. So let me out of my contract. And he would get a job within the day. He would get a job within the day. They would have uh, interviews the same day if they knew that Kyle Shanahan was let go of his contract. 
And it might be better for him and better for both parties, but just a bad loss, quite honestly, when you're facing Colt McCoy with no DeAndre Hopkins on your own turf, bad for San Francisco. And then the Rams um, laid an egg, and I think this is a, a situation where the Rams, their toughness, yeah, I mean, that got questions a little bit. Tennessee came in, physically manhandled their offensive line. I watched that entire game on Sunday night, which, um, you know, again, Chris Collinsworth, love it. Al Michaels, love it. And you know Al loves being in L.A., in home, or at home for an NFL game. He didn't have that for several years. Uh, he loves SoFi Stadium. He loves Stan Kroenke in that stadium they built. You can just tell every broadcast that he does from Inglewood. And the Rams, they got manhandled. They'll still be a good team, um, much like all the other teams that lost, Cowboys and Bills. Um, but, you know, it, it's a situation where, you know, toughness does win out in the playoffs. In Tennessee, I got to stop underestimating them. They are a tough physical football team. And while they're not always talented, and while I question their depth coming into the year, they have proven that, hey, we're going to punch you in the mouth. We're going to be mentally and physically imposing for four quarters. It's impressive stuff. Impressive. Like, they're not always in the best position heading into the final 15 minutes of a game, but they close out games as well as anybody I've seen in the last several years. Right up there with the Patriots. Because you know what? You, you look at Mike Vrabel's record, who we don't really hold in the same regard as some of like the other um, head coaches. Yet Mike Vrabel won like three Super Bowls, coached under uh, or played under Bill Belichick. Um, since he entered the league, I think he's got like a 600 winning percentage. It's just like, why isn't Mike Vrabel talked about as one of the best head coaches? Why? Like, I mean, he out Belichick Belichick in smarts uh, with the clock and, and uh, uh, taking the penalty in that 2019 playoff game. You see Belichick, he's going nuts. Vrabel, Vrabel, uh, excuse me, is like laughing on the sideline. It was awesome. I, I think he's an excellent head coach, and I got to stop under, underestimating the Titans because they are a damn good football team. And then the Browns and Bengals hit on them earlier. Bengals, I think they're nothing but a threat. They're going to be in it till the end, probably miss out on the postseason. Uh, they're definitely going to have to look at head coach. They won't because, you know, it's Mike Brown and the Bengals, and they're just used to continuity to a fault, and that's what they'll do. But big win for the Browns. I think they showed why on paper they're the best football team in the AFC, and they got a win here on Sunday. I have definitely talked a lot of heat not on the guy, but on the player, Lamar Jackson, about his ability to come from behind and win games, to throw from the pocket, to play in a drop back football game when it's, you know, in cold weather, when it's in a playoff game and you have to score points at a high volume. He has continued to debunk a lot of my theories. Now, I still think winter playoff game, I'm not saying he can't win a playoff game. He did against the uh, against the Titans last year. But in a drop-back passing game, I still don't like Lamar Jackson. I think he's just way too of a unconventional passer. He's not a bad passer. He's just different, and it takes a way different offense. I don't think up the sideline he's going to be able to deliver accurate passes that are away from defenders. I still see. I still forecast a lot of interceptions and turnovers and playoff games for him. But he has proven that when his team is losing, when the Ravens are losing— he can come from behind because he just did it again. He did it against the um, uh, uh, against the Bengals yesterday, 
And he's done it twice before here in the 2021 season. And I got to give it hats off to the Ravens because they are without Ronnie Stanley. They're without J.K. Dobbins. They're without their running backs. And, you know, they just get to find a way to get it done. And that's just Ravens football. They say play like a Raven. They really do actually execute it in a tough, always, you know, formidable AFC North, whether it's the Steelers, um, the Bengals aren't usually pushovers. Uh, with the exception of the last couple of years, and the Browns now are humming. So, I mean, I, I got to give a hat tip here. Lamar Jackson, he's a very, very gifted runner. I've never seen quite anything like it. I just have a problem paying $40 million a year to something that's so new. It's so new and it's so different, it's hard to quantify it. And he's his own agent. So you're negotiating with the player. That That's kind of strange. Like, if I'm an executive... I want to negotiate with an agent who's talking my language. I don't really like negotiating with the guy who's going to be receiving the checks and who is the signal caller of my team. Creates conflict. Creates something unusual that I'm not used to dealing with. It might be a situation that he ultimately, plus his like mom is helping him negotiate. Like You need to have a lawyer on hand witnessing this to, to, to prove that I'm not you know committing malpractice, that I'm not taking advantage of you. And they may take offense to that, but it's just a situation where legally, if I'm Eric DaCosta and I ultimately do pay this player, which again, I'm not comfortable doing if I'm the Ravens general manager, but I'm not. I'm saying, hey, you need to have a lawyer on hand here because I'm not going to get in this situation where ultimately you agree to a contract that's below market value, where you don't understand the escalators and the incentives and how the cap works to where I can cut you potentially down the road. You need to have legal representation review this to make you apprised of what exactly I'm putting before you. Because I'm paying you a lot of money and I'm interested in signing you up to be the long-term quarterback of the Ravens. But if you think you're just going to negotiate this by yourself, I'm not going to play ball with that. That's what I would do if I'm the Ravens. And, you know, look, they're playing really good football right now. I think they are right up there with the Browns as far as being, you know, atop the AFC. I think the Browns on paper better talent, better scheme, better uh, discipline, better complimentary football. But the Ravens are proving that despite injuries, culture is winning out. John Harbaugh, hell of a head coach. And hat tip to the the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. He's proven that he can can come from behind. Now he's got to prove in a drop back passing game in the playoffs, can he win those? Definitely want to do some quick hits around the rest of the league, the other games. I think I'm going to start doing this every week. I, you know, I've said that before. I'm just not really big on segments. I really like to tailor it to the news that came out, the content that went out with the games. But might start hitting on every game here, as um, as I have NASCAR switching to my television. I always have uh, the TV on in the background, and uh, looks like I guess NASCAR's on. I'm gonna have to flip this, but. Well, we'll get to New England and Carolina, where Mac Jones, um, again, not getting enough credit for playing mistake-free football. So many media members are just consumed with the idea of, is he playing at a high level? That you kind of forget it's important to not make mistakes before you play at a high level. Like, Mac Jones is doing that. He's taking care of the ball. He's not a great athlete. He doesn't throw deep passes, but he still makes a lot of difficult throws and tight windows, a lot of touch throws that are on the back shoulder, that are in front of the receiver that allow him to pivot upfield or evade a defender. That's a high-level throw. And I love pro football focus, but that's the thing that they 
very, very outweigh is the difficulty of throws. They always say, well, it's a further throw, so therefore it's more difficult. No, it's not necessarily. There's a lot of throws that are short that have to be at a certain uh, angle for the receiver to catch it and then evade the defender, turn up field. It's not all just about making it catchable and the distance of the throw. Love pro football focus. Love it. But the thing about them is that they often just confirm what I already know. Is this guy good at not dropping the football? Is this guy good at evading defenders? Again, great useful uh, database that I use every day. Love PFF, but the whole thing with passers and difficulty of throw, I think they got it kind of mixed up. And Mac Jones playing really good football, beat Carolina with uh, Christian McCaffrey back in the mix. And Mac Jones, you know, dirty play. I don't know. Maybe he did think he had the football. When you're sacked on the ground by Brian Burns, and you don't know where the football that you just let loose went, maybe you do think he has the football. And maybe he is just trying to tackle him. Hassan Reddick, his teammate, said it was a dirty play. I mean, how do you know that? Maybe he really thought he just had the football and tried tackling him. Who knows? Uh, Houston-Miami can confidently say I did not watch any of this game. Why would I watch the Dolphins or the Texans? Just a couple of embarrassing franchises. I, I saw... Um, Oh, I did watch one play. It was Tyrod Taylor, the interception where he thought he was out of bounds and he just kind of flicked it and then the Miami linebacker intercepted it. That's when I turned it off as I uh, pivoted from one game to that one. I said, Tyrod, this is exactly why you're a backup. Great guy, can count on you. We'll be in there early. We'll stay late. But this play right here, yeah, starters don't make that play. Uh, Atlanta in New Orleans. Matt Ryan, 343 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. Like... You know, I, I know a lot of us kind of want to just like put the nail in his coffin and every draft that comes around, are they looking to draft the successor? Well, can the successor throw for 350, a couple touchdowns and, you know, maybe one turnover each game? Like that's pretty good football in the NFL. Pretty doggone good. And I think you kind of got to ask yourself, it, he might be the bar here. Can he throw for 350, throw for two and maybe commit one turnover? Like, that's a pretty doggone good day, and New Orleans won it by a field goal, or Atlanta won it by a field goal. Matt Ryan, he's not dead yet. I think he's a gifted passer. I thought the Broncos, I thought a lot of other teams should have looked at him for as a trade piece and had their pro scouting scout him heavily, but, you know, maybe Atlanta didn't want to give him up, and he's still with the Falcons. Pivoting back to the, to the Vegas Giants game, I saw a stat, Jason Garrett's offense in New York, ninth in passing. So Daniel Jones, don't love him. I think he'll ultimately be a backup, but they're starting to get healthy. And Saquon didn't, uh, I don't think he played in this game. Yeah, I didn't see any highlights for him, but they're starting to get healthy and they're going to be in a loaded NFC conference. So I don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but are we not so sure that when it's all said and done, you know, the Giants are going to be eight, nine win team? Because I mean, they're getting healthy. They're ninth in passing. Obviously, Joe Judge just is so big on effort and discipline and fundamentals. And they, they played well midseason last year in 2020, like October, November, kind of faltered down the stretch. I could see the Giants ending strong. They could be that team that ends strong and then next year really carry that momentum into 2022. Uh, Chargers in Philly. Herbert, just a gifted player. Gifted player. Um, I think this is going to be one of the more... Uh, th- this is the start of the classic games with Justin Herbert, Brandon Staley. I know we anoint head coaches probably a little too soon. Happens a lot. Not everybody's Sean McVay. But this is a guy that has proven that he's got a defensive background. 
He likes running the football, contrary to a lot of these new head coaches who you know just want to throw. And he's got a player that he's really bringing along slowly. And he's not even in the whole Saints offense yet. Remember, they have Joe Lombardi, OC, um, for the Chargers. Longtime OC and on staff with the Saints. Poached him from New Orleans. I think this is going to be a thing for quite a few years because this is the first year for Joe Lombardi. He's calling some plays. I, I like what's going on in L.A. This was a gritty win. I thought Philadelphia would play them close, uh, a little closer than I originally thought. But Herbert, again, just proves that you know his development, while it's going along slowly but surely, he's just scratching the surface. Appreciate everybody listening. I know I ran a little bit longer today, but you know we were just jam-packed with content. Uh, we had Derek Carr, Raiders, uh, other Bay Area, or I guess Raiders aren't even in the Bay Area anymore. You know, one thing about, you know, teams being in a city from when you first became a fan, I know my grandpa, who's like 96 years old, he once asked me, it was the Super Bowl, the Patriots were playing whomever, and he had asked me, so Pete, are you rooting for the Boston Patriots? And I just kind of chuckled like, you know, you know, Papa Joe, they, they've been the New England Patriots for like 60 years or something. But, you know, with him being 95, he may always think of them as the Boston Patriots because uh, they once were and he was around for that. So I might always think of the Raiders that way as being the Oakland and the Chargers being San Diego. But we do, we just had a whole lot of content. Had to give you an extra 10 minutes here in the pod. Appreciate everybody listening. Please share the podcast with everybody, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, share it. I appreciate reviews, five stars if you love the show. If you don't want to give me a five star, tell me why. I want to improve this show so it's for you guys. I encourage that you hit up the text line, 816-226-7483. It's the text line. It's the call line. I can play your voice right here on the show. And, of course, we're on social media. At Pete4C, I tweet every Sunday all the games that I'm watching, all my thoughts, clap back, comments, whatever you want. We will read it right here on the show if you want to be on the show. I appreciate everybody listening. We will see you next week.